from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're talking about the challenges of planning a funeral when a loved one dies during the COVID-19 outbreak. Our guests today are funeral directors and brothers, Mark and John Parrish, who are co-owners of Caldwell Parish Funeral Home in Des Moines. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Hi, Kelly. Good to be Good with you again. So uh, yeah, this uh, first week of Ordinary Time, or this mm-hmm. uh, returning to Ordinary Time, rather, mm-hmm. after the Easter season and the Great Feast of Pentecost, where did the Easter season go yeah. in this unusual mm-hmm. dispensation. Uh, and then Monday's uh, Feast of Mary, the Mother of the Church, that Pope Francis instituted in 2018. So that falls right on the heels. And obviously, Mary's kind of a lightning rod for the Holy Spirit. She's mm-hmm. that kind of one who draws the Spirit to, to her, not only for the incarnation of her Son, but uh, hopefully uniting us as Church. And uh, the month of June, our Holy Father is asking us to pray in a special intention for the way of the heart, the way of the heart. And obviously, mm-hmm. the Feast of the Sacred Heart on the 19th, but mm-hmm. that especially those who are maybe searching or struggling in any way. And I think that's uh, something that for all of us, we've been called to reflect. And uh, obviously with the fasting from the Eucharist now coming to conclusion, mm-hmm. uh, the opening of three more counties this past week, Shelby, mm-hmm. Guthrie, and uh, Audubon counties, mm-hmm. looking forward to Pottawatomie County, Council Bluff area, uh, allowing them to enter into phase one next week, uh, which is the daily masses. And so a period where getting those kind of uh, new protocols down for being at mass, uh, social distancing, and really the expectation that everyone will wear a mask. We know there might be, you know, young children or a, a few other select individuals, but this is just something that we show our love and respect for each other. And then, uh, obviously, then the announcement uh, here in uh, Polk and Dallas and Warren counties in Central Iowa, following on the heels. So mm-hmm. I think this is something that people have been. Uh, you know, groaning and, uh, you know, as we speak mm-hmm. about the groaning in the spirit in Romans 8, but, uh, you know, that uh, the discernment that's gone on, and I'm so appreciative of those who, who uh, have been uh, available for consultation, trying to blend faith and reason in that unique Catholic harmony and to not, you know, uh, you know, uh, give, you know, excessive accent to, to one or the other, that we are, uh, God enlists us, our reason and all that's there. I'm thinking kind of, you know, where... Sometimes maybe the, the extreme on that end, and I think that was depicted very well in the late director, uh, Polish director, Krzysztof Kieslowski, and his uh, 10-part series for Polish TV, The Decalogue. And so each one of those segments looks at one of those. And the very first one where they look at the first commandment, I'm the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me or make any false image of false gods. And so the uh, professor, uh, Krzysztof, and his you know, 12-year-old son, Pavel, and spoiler alert here coming, you know, for those who don't want to, you may want to step away or turn down your volume. <laughs> but he's a physicist, and his son becomes interested in the whole world of science. He's very adept at this. But, you know, the death of a dog also kind of leads him to think about ultimate questions. And so it's in the early ages of uh, home computers and things. It was filmed in the 80s. And so uh, Pavel is, you know, not only plugging into a school and a science project, but trying to ask different things. And so he asks his dad about death, and his dad just kind of describes death as the end of all bodily functions. It doesn't really give him anything more than 
that, and yet then Pavel's not satisfied by that. And so his aunt, who's a great woman of faith, and so the computer kicks on by itself mysteriously. Um, Pavel's able to not only calculate the time zone where his mom lives remotely, uh, but the, you know the kind of temperature gradient for freezing. And so uh, anticipated Christmas present of ice skates go out on the the local pond and go skating. Uh, the science tells him it's okay. It's safe to go, and uh, tragedy ensues. So it's a you know that we can't place excessive confidence in reason, but uh, our physical, our spiritual health, and so that discernment in the process of going from phase one to phase two. I think the Des Moines Diocese has adopted a very prudent and judicious, always with the horizon of faith. Uh, people that are there, and we've tried to be very transparent all along in our messages on the on the website and mm-hmm. YouTube and other things, and the letters to the faithful electronically and other things. And so, hopefully, a month from now, all of that will be behind us in terms of the anguish over the, the lack of gathering for Eucharist. But the challenges obviously will remain as we continue to to live in a society where our lives are are, are not just going to go back to what they were before. And so, faith and reason together in that beautiful Catholic combination nation, fed by the Eucharist, which is that saving mystery of Jesus. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. That's BlessmanInternational.org. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family-owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins of the Diocese of Des Moines. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. On today's show, we're talking about the challenges of planning a funeral when a loved one dies during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our guests today are funeral directors and brothers Mark and John Parrish, who are co-owners of Caldwell Parish Funeral Home in Des Moines. Thank you very much uh, for being on. I'd call you both Mr. Parrish, but I know we've met before, so if I'm not too familiar, call you Mark and John as well. Um, do you ever play that game among yourselves about who people perceive as the older one between the two of you, or do people just kind of automatically recognize that? Uh, yeah. People always kind of always make them guess, and uh, um, we kind of joke around. I always joke around. I am, I am the older one, so I always joke around that I'm the the older, better-looking one. So. <laughs> and I, I, I always say I'm the smarter one, so it works out okay. <laughs> so uh, I love it. I love it. So, do you do you have other siblings, or is it the two of you growing up? Nope, just the two of us. Oh my goodness! So wow. Yeah, so we're about three and a half years apart. So John was a a freshman in high school when I was a senior. So. Yeah, so so you had nothing to do with him, right? I mean, you just like he was. Yeah, that's right. He totally dissed him every time at school. That's right. Or whatever. So good. So you grew yeah. up in Des Moines then, or yeah? 
Uh, no, we actually grew up in uh, in Algona, up in the, the Sioux City Diocese. So, oh. um, went to to Bishop Garrigan High School up there. So, a K through twelve school up there that uh, uh, still doing real well. I mean, the the numbers aren't what they used to be, but uh, financially, uh, the the school's in in great shape and and doing well. And actually, they just built on a new uh, chapel at the at the high school. It's really really beautiful. No, it does. It enjoys a great reputation as a kind of a bastion of Catholic formation education, and uh, this reputation exceeds into Northeast Iowa, where I was at Loris. We always love to have students from Garrigan, but I must confess that my most traumatic experience as a high school basketball official when I was a student at Iowa State uh, up at Garrigan, as they played Esterville in a heated uh, bat match between ranked teams and. Uh, the Garrigan coach who lost a narrow uh, game uh, and, yes, got teed up at the end of it, kind of went ballistic. And so he preceded me into the official's dressing room and got up on a desk and threw his coat down. It, it, it left a, a searing memory with me. So. But the, it's a fine school, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, even in high school, were you thinking about, um, you know, um, I mean, mortuary science isn't necessarily at the top of the list for everybody, but kind of how did this evolve for you? And, and do you kind of see this as a vocational calling? Yeah, I think we uh, we, we definitely see it as a, as a vocational calling. And I think uh, John and I both have a little bit of different path with it. And, and uh, but um, yeah, in high school uh, or growing up in Algona, family friends of ours own the funeral home uh, in Algona and uh, um we had a few deaths in the family growing up and just had good experiences with it. But um, we, uh, we did some job shadowing. We both did and helping out there as much as, as we could. And uh, my junior year of high school, I was really uh, kind of discerning, thinking about going into uh, mortuary science. And um, I ended up finding my, uh, my great aunt uh, dead in her car. And uh, you know, after that, it was just, uh, it, I, I knew that's what I, what I wanted to do. But, uh, as I look back now, uh, I also think that that calling probably started earlier than that. I think God probably had a plan for both of us earlier. Um, we were we were both uh, altar servers growing up, and for whatever reason, um, John and I were kind of the uh, the go to uh, funeral servers um, for for funeral masses. So we we saw it from that angle, and, and as a as a young kid, um, being involved with a lot of funerals as a, as a server. So I think. That's really where where our calling um, started with that. So, and and uh, as a priest, you know, parish priest, it's it's invaluable to have servers that you know you can trust and rely on. You don't have to constantly be kind of looking out of the corner of your eye to see what are they doing now. So, those who really are invested in what they're doing and and lend itself to the the sense of the dignity that's about. So, yeah, you're right that that sense of a mystery there and kind of ultimate questions, which. Uh, we we've talked about in the in the previous segment here before we began our interview today. So so um, faith was woven into all of this then, you know, and you were not just you know where where can I prosper and do well in life, but uh, as you were personal experience that any traumatic deaths that were there also that kind of shaped things for you. Certainly in rural uh, areas, me. that's not unfamiliar. Yeah, um, we had. I guess I was a junior in high school when uh, we had a grandmother that passed away, um, and she had, she had been sick with cancer, and, and um, um, you know had lost her hair, lost a lot of weight, and, and just didn't you know look like herself. Obviously, when she passed away, and then um, I remember going to the uh, the funeral home for uh, the visitation, and seeing her in her casket, how 
how peaceful and how beautiful and how natural she looked. And um, right then and there, that's that's what really solidified for me that you know I, I want to be a funeral director. So that that was such an awesome experience. And you know I think about that every day when I uh, um, am getting the deceased ready for you know a uh, visitation. That I want uh, families we serve to have the same experience that I did. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. the great. You know, the Catholic sensibility of great reverence for the body, the body, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and even if one's soul has departed, that it's still a kind of sacramental, if you will, the body. And so not everybody, not all religious traditions are as comfortable kind of uh, beholding the body or or displaying the body in that way. But we think about the kind of Irish Catholic wakes and the author Thomas Lynch, who has a funeral is a director up in Milford, Michigan, uh, who's kind of reflected on this, but uh, that kind of Catholic sensibility there too. So, uh, was there ever an ick factor for you in terms of uh, dealing with uh, uh, deceased uh, people, or you know, in that way? Um, no, not not really. Um, you know, uh, it just never never bothered us. Never um, uh, had any issues with it, and and uh, um, so no, no, not not at all. Okay. So very comfortable with death, you know, without being, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, high schoolers, you know, as they drive by funeral homes and everything else, they can, you know, kind of, you know, the macabre and all that, that, that goes on there as well. But, uh, that wasn't your experience. Yeah. And obviously, and I, and I just think, yeah, you know, just cause we were, um, around it at such a young age from losing, um, grandparents or like I said, just helping out, uh, as, uh, as altar servers. Um, maybe we were just exposed to it at such an early age and, and, um, and maybe not, uh, our first experience with it wasn't, uh, with seeing a deceased body wasn't, uh, somebody we, you know, maybe a grandparent or a parent or somebody that we knew really, really well. So, um, I think that maybe helped, helped with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And, and, you know, as, as extended families aren't necessarily able to be close and maybe we can kind of fast forward to these last few months, uh, the great hardship then for families in the COVID-19 and social distancing. And uh, do you feel that your role has uh, become ever more important as kind of uh, being that you know, mediator, if you will, between families who can or can't be present as they ordinarily would be? Uh, yes, definitely. And, uh, um, you know, we've kind of, what we've been, we've been telling families, um, I think is, uh, you know, losing a loved one's already, uh, you know, in a very emotional time. So, um, you know, don't make an, an extra emotional decision, um, in what's already an emotional time. So we've had a lot of, early on, you know, we had a lot of families jumping to certain conclusions of, you know, we, we can't, if, if mom would die of COVID-19, we, we can't have a, a, we can't see her. We can't have a visitation. We can't do this or that, or, and they're jumping to conclusions. So we just try to educate them on that and say, you know, before you're making those decisions, you know, make sure you, you, uh, visit with the funeral director, visit with the, the priest, um, you know, gather all your facts and then, uh, let's all get together and kind of make an education, uh, an educated decision on, on what we're going to do. So, I think our role is, is more important than ever right now in, in educating families on on what we can and can't do and, and help them through this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're helping them to discern, really, where, where to go with things and obviously you know, the practical considerations, but also the horizon of faith. Um, 
And that's something evolving, isn't it? As uh, you know, the society opens up, and the, and the church, the diocese of Des Moines, as we're aware, uh, you know, be progressively uh, allowing people to regather as long as social distancing uh, things are there. You know how you know the consolation that you would offer live streaming. What are some of the things that you have found to help bring people peace in these unusual circumstances in which we find ourselves? Yeah, um, the the live streaming is definitely uh, it's uh, it's been a learning experience for us and and like uh, uh, like a lot of parishes as well trying to to, to do that. So, um, but I think that's been real real helpful for families. Um, you know, uh, for you know when you're at ten or less, the people that can't be here or people that were out of state that um, aren't able, weren't able to travel back and and even. Uh, I think that's going to be here here to stay for funerals, and I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, for we, a lot of times you have somebody that's uh, homebound, and uh, maybe they're you know an elderly person's brother or sister dies, and they're not even able to attend their their brother or sister's funeral. So I think that live streaming stuff will be here to stay and, and really beneficial to to families uh, in the future. Um, but yeah, we've done a lot of different things. Uh, um, to, to accommodate families the best we can. And, you know, if there's um, a little bit larger family trying to figure out ways of having them come in at different times uh, so they can at least have that closure and see their loved one and kind of keeping it 10 or less at a, at a time and, and uh, doing everything we can to give the, the family uh, that needs that time and closure uh, that opportunity. Okay. And you know, I'm here with my, uh, my host, uh, Kelly Mesher-Collins, who lost her father, Paul, a couple weeks ago. Kelly, anything on, on your side that you observed that the, the funeral directors did to, to help you or help your family or moments of tension, and how was that worked through? Um, you know, I thought the funeral director was really good about explaining the situation we were in with the state and, and the rules and regulations. We actually had a, the funeral, we had the viewing uh, with just our family, which is quite big. There's nine kids, all of them are married and then grandkids. So we all had the viewing there and their space was limited to 50 people. So with social distancing, we had the funeral actually at the funeral home, just not a mass. My cousin, who's a priest, did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yet he was very good about answering questions, very kind and... Yeah, I thought they did a great job, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mark and John, do you ever find that, you know, given the, the, the grief and trauma and the, the emotions bouncing all over with people, that you kind of become the objects of people's emotions that they kind of unload on you at times in, in this, as they experience limitations or frustrations or unresolved things? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, everybody grieves a little bit differently, and and uh, you just have to learn to, uh, um, uh, you know, not take it personally. Sometimes, you know, be, you know, people or you know might be just upset with the situation and um, take it out on you. But you know, for the most part, uh, I feel like uh, most of the families we've been serving um, during this time have understood, um, you know, the the reason behind all, obviously all the restrictions and and knowing that's not you know not us making the rules, but. Um, um, you know, most families have been pretty understanding throughout the whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Are many of them also planning, you know, if they're commending their loved one to, to, to the you know, be buried and things, are many of them planning other services? Or do you find that some are just holding off entirely? And you have limits on that respect, right, in terms of, you know, uh, capacity to, to hold off and to, to protect and store uh, their loved one's body. Yeah, um, that was one big thing we talked about right away is, uh, you know, what we're going to do 
and uh, uh, we we decided uh, from the beginning, you know, um, we 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 just feel that it's so important, and there's so much um, value in and uh, seeing their loved one and, and having that time for closure and, and their grief or their healing process. So um, we've offered to every family, um, you know, if you do a private family service now um, and, and want to do a public, you know, memorial mass at a later date. You know, we'll we'll come back and do that at at no additional charge. We just, you know, feel that that that's important. You know, as as Catholics, you know, we're called to go to funerals of those people we know or those members of our church that we don't even know, and and uh, you know, part of the works of mercy. So we find that uh, um, you know important. So we 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 want to make that available to to any family that that needs that down the road, and and uh, <clears throat> just that support of their friends and family gathering together. I think is. Is important. So um, we're having some families that uh, um, are, are taking advantage of that. Um, some that you know will live stream the funeral for and have the immediate family there, and and they get done, and then they say, you know, I think that was that was just really nice. Um, and uh, we had a lot of people that were able to, to live stream, and we're 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 good with that. So we've got kind of people on uh, choosing both both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, obviously, as a member of the clergy, you know, and uh, funerals are one of those times where you feel like you're most uh, realizing your vocation as a priest and ministering God's mercy and compassion and, and the hope in the resurrection and the Eucharist and other ways. But also, uh, you know, there's some there's some laughter, too. Catholics can kind of have a little gallows humor once in a while. Uh, uh, Louis Haggerty in Waterloo, he would always, when you shook his hand there at Oppold Haggerty, he'd always check your pulse, you know, as he was shaking your <laughs> hand. <laughs> so you kind of see that uh, there. Uh, as, as So, you know, you guys probably spend more time in church than even some priests, I think, you know, in terms of there. Do you feel like you could deliver a funeral homily almost, uh, you know, spontaneously if you had to? <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. We've, uh, that's been a great thing is, uh, um, you know, we've heard some really great funeral homilies, um, you know, and, and uh, some of these uh, priests here in the, in the Des Moines Diocese, when we've, you know, buried some of their family members, um, I think of a About couple. ten in, seconds in left here, yeah, okay. Particular. And uh, um, just some, some great funeral homilies. But yeah, I, I think so. If we had to throw something together, we probably could. <laughs> well, hopefully, you will, I won't have to call upon you. But thank you for giving us your time, Mark and John, and, and bless your ministry in these uh, crucial times. So God bless you. Thank you. Did you know you have a choice in your child's education? Smaller class sizes, dedicated teachers, a sense of community, and a caring learning environment. Whether it's in the classroom or at home, Diocese of Des Moines Catholic Schools deliver the best value in education, and we offer tuition assistance to help you afford it. Learn more about how the Catholic schools in the Des Moines Diocese might be the right choice for your child. Visit dmdiocese.org schools. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Musher-Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. Great interview. 
Uh, the Parish Brothers, I think, obviously doing a lot to serve our community and the faith community also. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to get proprietary rights or someone who has uh, the Catholic uh, identity, but mm-hmm. I think it's so much appreciated. I had to deal with funeral directors who are kind of cynical about religion, you know, and you'd go mm-hmm. into the uh, the car, the limo, going to the cemetery, and they'd flip on the 60s music, which who, who, who cannot love 60s music, but <laughs> maybe that's not quite the right moment, you know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of found myself driving myself to the cemetery. Mm-hmm. rather than kind of mm-hmm. that jarring kind of disregard for the sensibilities of, of our people. And so mm-hmm. I think that uh, great reverence for the body, too. Uh, I was talking with one of our men to be ordained, Brad Roby, and he mm-hmm. was talking about his hospital chaplaincy where he got to scrub in on an autopsy and was kind of oh, taken wow. in. And so to really the, the mystery and the marvel that is the human body unfolded. And uh, again, not just a chunk of meat, but uh, it is it is the temple and the, the first fruits, the seeds of the resurrection where mm-hmm. mysteriously God will, will gather to to himself. And uh, so I think that uh, deep uh, appreciation. I didn't ask the parish brothers if they'd be okay. I haven't bought my Trappist casket yet, but you know, the good monks at New Mallory, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that would there, uh, they've told me that if I buy a Trappist casket, they can make it into a little bit of a, a wine shelf for wine, you know, so I'd have practical use in this world <laughs> and then uh, use in the, the world to come. So. <laughs> Yes, all things Catholic. That's right. Kelly, what what kind of Catholic stuff do you, what flavor do you have for us uh, here? All right, well, this may seem like a weird question, but have you ever seen Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, again, another lacuna (laughs) in my (laughs) cultural knowledge. (laughs) Jurassic Park, the new installment? The new installment. Is that like in the 1990s or is that more recently? Someone releases a new movie, I watch an old movie. Okay. (laughs) So Chris Pratt um, featured in those movies, and his wife um, is a Catholic author, um, daughter of Maria Shriver, Ah. uh, Catherine Schwarzenegger. And so she has- It's all coming together. (laughs) There you go. Took a few jumps. (laughs) But um, his wife has released this book, The Gift of Forgiveness. It's a compilation of stories of people who have forgiven others, um, despite many obstacles. It was um, number three on the year. New York Times bestseller list. So he has been promoting that on his Instagram page. And like I said, she is Catholic Maria Shriver's, her mother. Mm-hmm. And people have more free time nowadays, so they could check that out. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I know you're a biker, right? So you probably do like what? And I've actually been getting out on the road a little bit. It's a marvelous road. thing, you know. But uh, I, went, I went down into uh, Warren County to find some hills to go up and down. So obviously I got a lot of work to do here yet. <laughs> but, you know, put a put a little bit in the pain bank. But oh, okay. uh, But why do you ask, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this thing actually. <laughs> Father Michael Amadeo shared it. It's a Camino. I, that's, a, that's not a credible source. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Our vicar general, pastor of Oli in Ankeny. <laughs> so he shared the Camino de Santiago virtual challenge. So I'm a runner. I bike too, not as much as you, but. Um, there's this thing where, you know, all these races have been canceled. So you can do this virtual challenge and it's a Camino de Santiago virtual challenge. Of course, a lot of people know the Camino. It's this mm-hmm. walk in um, France and Spain. And so it takes you 480 miles. You can sign up virtually. You'll get a medal and you can use it to complete distances ba- such as walking, running, cycling. And as you um, follow along and fill in your miles on the app, then you'll be given sites of the different places where you would be along the journey of the Camino. Mm. And then they send you this bling at the end. A finisher's medal to show that Ooh, you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's only like twenty four bucks to sign up for the thing. And wow. Yeah, it's incentive now, to exercise. I mean, for some of us, though, inevitably, you know, and when you get out with a bunch of middle aged males, 
muscles, you know, doing something, you know, then the kind of competitive juices kick in, you know, you're trying to show you still have it and the <laughs> testosterone factor. So can, does this get competitive kind of like Strava or that where you're only matching you your time, your times against somebody else? Or, I think you know, only which, if you want it to be, you know, which, which probably, you know, spiritually undermines the purpose <laughs> of doing this as one's ego and pride well, get in the way. Uh, I, I think however way you want to look at it, but it's called the conquered dot events is where you would find it. It's Thank you. Santiago Thank you. Challenge. Since I'll have all this time where I'm not doing the tour, to, watching the tour to France there in you July. Go. All right, Kelly. Thank you. All right. This has been another edition of Bishop uh, Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you to our guests and all of our listeners in Iowa, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.